We think that if we can make it as simple as like an e-commerce checkout flow using a cryptocurrency, that more people would do this, which would mean more CO2 getting removed, which would incentivize more people to remove CO2 and get paid to do it. I'm Alex Bloomberg, host of the podcast Startup, and you're listening to We Are LA Tech. On this episode of We Are LA Tech, it's another Crypto Friday, and we've got Paul Gamble and Ross Kenyon from Nori joining us in the studio to tell us about their new blockchain company and project. And it's super cool what they're doing because they are literally removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. We have the technology and we, of course, would be great if we could put less of it into the atmosphere, but we don't have to worry so much if we can innovate and we can pull it out. And these guys are doing just that and they're using blockchain. Welcome, Paul. Welcome, Ross. How are you guys doing today? Great, Good. Ira. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks cool. for having us. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for joining us in the, the beautiful Beach House studio in Santa Monica, California. And uh, tell us a little bit about who you are, what your role is, and what you're working on. Uh, so I'm, I'm Paul. Uh, I am one of the co-founders of Nori. Uh, Nori is really about trying to reverse climate change. And for me, this started about three years ago. I was working on a small business that wasn't going anywhere. And uh, through uh, a recommendation from a, a friend, I started thinking more about the, the why behind what I was working on, like the purpose behind what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about a couple different options there, but really settled on climate change because it's a, it's a pressing issue. And it seemed like the sort of thing that I could attract a strong group of people to work on. Um, so I embarked on a journey of trying to figure out how to actually solve climate change instead of making it less bad, like it seems like most people are doing. And that led me towards the carbon removal space and, um, and, and everything that can be done to actually pull carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So this, this is really incredible. And, and we'll let Ross introduce himself as well. And we'll come back to this. But the fact that you can remove carbon and not just stop producing it. That's kind of a breakthrough kind of thing, in my opinion. Right. And like the technologies to do this already exist. That's the, that's the amazing thing to me. Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's the technologies there. Um, let's come back to that in a, in a second. Ross, uh, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, what you're working on. Yeah. Uh, well, I got involved with Nori from the start, too. We did a consensus uh, blockchain for social impact hackathon, and we won our category there. That was last fall. So that was a lot of fun. Awesome. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I've been working in the blockchain space for about a year full time. So I've worked with uh, Tezos, Blue Frontiers, Sweetbridge, Zencash, and uh, Nori. But Nori is uh, my main thing. A lot of those are in the the past and distant past uh, now. Um, but I focus on, on growth and, and communications. So do a lot of business development, co-host the podcast with Christoph, who's not here. Paul produces it. He awesome. Sh- yeah. You, you guys have your own podcast talking about reversing climate change. That's right. That, that is the and name That's pretty amazing. It. Yeah. Reversing that? climate change. It's an awesome podcast. <laughs> and if I ever get in trouble, I just tap Paul. I'm like, Paul, get in here. So we have like a little wrestling dynamic there. There's a tag team. Yeah, there totally is. <laughs> Very cool. All right. Well, let's, let's come back to, th- this is, I, I'm r- really... <laughs> I'm really excited to have you guys on the show today. A good time. Um, And the the reason is because there's, there's kind of a, uh, 
a narrative, I would say, about how there's there's all this doom and gloom about climate cha- climate change, carbon dioxide, and where you know are we past the point of no return? We need to stop emitting it. All all these things like that. Um, but what's little known is that there's actually technology that exists that you guys are working with that can pull carbon dioxide out of the air. So that's something that people don't talk about. They're like, let's let's stop producing it, which is great too, to stop producing it uh, or cut that down. But the fact that you can actually extract it from the air uh, and, and capture it, tell us how that works. Yeah, so it's, you bring up that it, like people don't really talk about this and uh, and you're right. Not only do people not talk about this, but neither do the sort of, bigwigs who are part of setting like the Paris climate accords. Uh, like they're not even really talking about this uh, on a large scale either. It seems like a big deal. It, it kind of is. <laughs> it's kind of important. It, it turns out that it's actually not possible to meet the Paris climate goals. It's not possible to meet those uh, one and a half degrees or two degrees Celsius uh, temperature raise targets without some form of carbon removal. Um, wow. so, so you asked how, how it works. Um, there are lots of different methods, um, and we like to think of them in terms of both uh, ecological methods and industrial methods, and then some that are kind of hybrids in between the two. Um, on the ecological side, you have, uh, everyone might think of just planting trees. Um, I get that question a lot, like, can't we just plant enough trees? And it turns out, right. no. Uh, there's, there's not enough arable land on the planet to have agriculture and that, right? Yeah. Like, that's just, like, just not. We have to be able to eat food, too. That <laughs> So, uh, it that makes sense. Yeah, so we have to green, do that. man. Let's do that. <laughs> um, uh, trees, uh, you can store a significant amount of carbon dioxide in soils, in croplands. Um, you can uh, grow kelp, uh, on um, which, by the way, no one is doing. No one is harvesting kelp or seaweed. When, when you eat sushi, you are eating wild harvested seaweed. So no one's really doing this at a scale yet. Mm. Uh, we, we call that, think of that as called blue carbon. Um, so no, no one's like farming kelp or seaweed. All, all the stuff that we're eating comes out of the ocean. Oceans. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and it, I mean, it would still be grown in the oceans, but yeah, no one is doing it intentionally. Mm. And, and if you think about it, um, all of the modern like vegetables and fruits and stuff we eat are all very much engineered. Uh, it, not in the, like the, necessarily the GMO sense, but just like they were bred to become those plants. And we haven't done that with seaweed yet. And seaweed like mm. tastes pretty good now, but imagine how good it would taste if we were actually farming this. It's Nori, man. So we, we got on this real quick. Just the name of it. The name yeah, of the so that's, project. that makes sense. One of the reasons you picked the name Nori, which is that's exactly right, yeah. Japanese for a seaweed wrap, or maybe the seaweed itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Aquaculture is going to be big this century. There's a lot to uh, look forward to with pulling carbon out of the ocean. The ocean acidification from climate change is the thing that freaks me out potentially the most. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that you? It's pretty highly ranked there. Ocean acidification. Certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think people realize how much we depend on the ocean fish stocks and how everything like I mean the the food chain and ecosystems are complicated and as coral is dying it's affecting sea life around it and we're overfishing and all these other problems. There's a relationship between the ocean and the atmosphere and the ocean's like much slower at absorbing and releasing CO2, but uh nowadays like it's becoming more acidic as carbon dioxide is pulled into the ocean. So we'll see more repercussions like coral dying and plankton not being able to build shells and other shell utilizing creatures not being able to do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's something that would be good to stop. 
Ah, yes. Because yeah. I was thinking when you Spooky. first said ocean acidification, it's like, all right, so we won't be able to go in the ocean anymore. Yeah, the change it from Silicon Beach to something else. So much yeah. more impact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, neither will the fish yeah. that we're relying on for food supply and then the impact to the, uh, the rest of the environment from mm-hmm. the ocean. As opposed to just like, it's all getting too hot now. It's, it's climate change. It's global warming. The snowball is, is melting in the Congress or whatever. Have you seen that? But, no. Uh, <laughs> it was a really hot day. Like, oh, climate change. You're like, no, oh, that isn't really that persuasive. I think the ocean one. Was that like a wow demo? Like from uh, like, like the, a, you know, OxyClean and, and other ads, Mighty Mendes. The Sham Wow. Like, yeah. The Sham Wow, yeah. where they have like a demo that's like over the top to just to show you. And, was and, that and, and, and it was also in black and white at the same time <laughs> uh, yeah. in real life. How many times has this happened to <laughs> yeah. you? Yeah. Wah, wah, <laughs> snowball melting. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, those are some of the ecological methods. Um, on the industrial side, there are a number of startup companies out there. Um, to name a few, would be Climeworks, Carbon Engineering, uh, Global Thermostat, who are building uh, machinery that actually pull in air uh, from the atmosphere. Um, carbon dioxide makes up a very, very small percentage of that. They extract and separate the CO2 molecules from the rest of the gases in air. And now they have pure CO2 that you can do something with. Right now, these companies are doing things like selling that CO2 to greenhouses or it's being used for uh, beverage bottling like uh, um, sparkling water or sodas. Um, But they could take that CO2 and they could turn it into products. Uh, They could turn into plastics or um, into, uh, we know of a company company called Interface that makes a carbon negative carpet. Uh, You could turn it into tennis shoes. Um, You could also take that CO2 and you could store it in rock formations that um, will uh, attract the CO2 molecules so that over time the CO2 carbonates and actually turns into rock. So it's a, a geologic sequestration method and it's very, very permanent. Because it's it's rock now. It's not just gonna like it can't release. It's in a different like solidified form. Well, so that that's interesting. So these companies have technologies and are developing more technologies to extract carbon out of the air. But then, if it's just released again, then then we're back with the same problem, right? Um, so then yeah. there's these methods you're talking about to actually capture the carbon so that it doesn't get released. So the so the rocks. It actually, that's amazing. You can create rocks that yeah. are holding carbon. Mm-hmm. That are carbon. That are carbon. Wow. Um, it, it, like, and so that's not going to get re-released like if you uh, open a bottle of soda that's right. been carbonated. Yeah. You turn it into released. something that you digest, it's going to go right back up. Mm-hmm. Or uh, um, there's a lot of uh, like sort of heavy industrial research going into using captured carbon dioxide to turn that into a fuel uh, like methanol or ethanol. Um, those are carbon neutral and that's great because that's now making, uh, liquid fuels that are, uh, still like really important. Like we're not going to be flying planes on batteries anytime soon. Like we still need liquid fuels. Oh, that's right. I listened to your last, uh, podcast with JetBlue, uh, and they were talking about how, uh, if you tried to fly, or I guess you guys were talking about, if you try to fly a plane off of electricity or battery power, it just doesn't work like it works for a car because something to do with like a constant supply or consistent supply of energy. Yeah, uh, it's, So it doesn't seem like planes are able to go that route. And it's energy soon. density too. Like those batteries in, in cars are really, really heavy. Um, so if you're talking about mm. a, a 
plane that's trying to lift that mass, that's that's another issue too. One of the things that gets me excited about this too is a lot of the talk about reduction or using uh, like clean energy sources. Uh, a lot of those don't don't quite work very well yet, and maybe they'll catch up here. But imagine if we could keep doing what we're doing, but then also just remove the carbon that they're responsible for. It doesn't hurt economic growth in the same way. It doesn't cause people to have less reliable energy sources. And those things especially affect people who are uh, not as well off as uh, as the United States. Um, so I can imagine like dooming people around the world to having less reliable energy in, the, in that case. I'd much rather just remove the carbon from the most reliable sources if possible. It's sort of similar to uh, dealing with garbage and trash. Like we're not trying to live in a garbage-free society. No one's pushing that on on us. We we deal with garbage. We pay for the removal of it and the storage of it. Um, right. But it and right now our carbon dioxide is garbage. But we're just putting that garbage out onto the street. And the, the only difference is that no one can see it, so no one's acting on it. Um, so we believe that this that carbon dioxide and emissions should be treated like a garbage problem. And that, that if you can, if you have the ability to pay for capturing it, storing it, removing it uh, from the atmosphere and to have no ill effects on the atmosphere, then why the hell shouldn't we do that? That's the dream scenario. We can still keep our standard of living. We don't have to like go back to like a uh, hundred years ago or like the pre-industrial time, even longer before that. Like, I don't want to go back to, to, to that level. Either. So we don't have to go back to like the Amish way of life. Well, you see some stuff like that in environmental writings too, where it's like, um, like if we had like cheap, uh, clean energy, like we would use too much of it and destroy the planet faster. And we would just like make uh, hell on earth if we had that. But we're, we're, we're pretty optimistic about technology and about humans too. Whereas I, a lot of people in the environmental sector are not. Yeah. I, I'd call us humanists. Like and, and what is that? What do you mean? I, I think that means that we that we value human life and we want to uh, enrich it as much as possible and make it possible for people to live a, uh, a a comfortable life. And that requires energy. And right now, the energy that we are using is uh, emitting a lot of carbon dioxide. And so if we can solve that problem, then we can support uh, high quality human lives. Yeah, that makes sense that that would be pretty amazing. Um, now, with the carbon capture technologies that you mentioned, there's, there's the, uh, I don't remember what, what you call them, but basically the natural and then the, uh, the, the, uh, the ecological man-made. and industrial. And I do want to, oh, okay. I, I, sorry, I want to distinguish between a couple of things. Um, in, in this space, the, the term carbon capture means capturing carbon dioxide that's being emitted from, say, a power plant, um, whether it's natural gas or coal or something like that. Um, so those are emissions that are new and going into the atmosphere. And what Nori is doing is called carbon removal. So, um, carbon capture is dealing with like present emissions and future emissions. And Nori is dealing with past emissions. So the carbon dioxide is already up in the air. We have to figure out a way to pull it back out. That's a very good distinction. Okay. So yeah. And what I meant is the carbon removal, uh, pulling it out of the air uh, but then you're storing it into something like sneakers or carpet yeah. or rocks. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Cool. So so with those technologies, uh, is that enough? Can that remove enough to to fix things? <laughs> Today? No. Okay. Uh, because it's a lot that we have to remove. Um, we estimate uh, that it's around 750 billion tons of CO2 that's uh, in the atmosphere that needs to be removed. Now, to give you some context for that. Yeah, that number's so high, it means nothing <laughs> it's to me. It's a big, me. big number. Um, 
we as humans uh, worldwide emit uh, around 40 billion tons of CO2 a year. Okay. Somewhere around half of that it currently is uh, taken up in the normal natural carbon cycle. Uh, so that carbon dioxide is getting going into plants and trees and grasses and so on. Um, some of it is going into the oceans. Uh, that, that's like a normal part of the cycle. Um, but the rest of it is just going up. And uh, the oceans are acting as a really big sink for this. So the oceans are uh, absorbing a lot more, like Ross has said. Um, so 750 billion tons is how much is excess in the atmosphere. But it's actually a little bit more. It's not a little bit, but it's more than that. Because if we were to remove all of that excess CO2, the oceans would off gas some of that CO2 that's uh, stored in the water and that to reach some sort of equilibrium in this carbon cycle. So it's, it's actually more, but we're not entirely sure how much more, but it, it's a lot. Wow. Yeah, that's, those are big numbers. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. You. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I'm going to have to meditate on this for a little bit. <laughs> it's a big number, but, but I think it's, it's just, it's important to get started now. And that's, that's really like all that I take from knowing that that number is so large that we need to build systems right now that can grow and scale and multiply and to, in order to actually achieve that goal in some sort of meaningful time frame before we start to see the worst deleterious effects of climate change. And so that means getting started now. Okay, cool. So we've got, we've got the technology. Uh, there's also... N- new technologies or progress where that can do more. It sounds like there's under stuff that hasn't been invented yet okay. uh, or, or is we like in innovate. research labs or something and needs to see the, the light of day. And there needs to be some sort of financial incentive for that to happen. Like we need to propel that forward. And it's not just going to be governments who are like issuing grant money to, to do that sort of thing. That's not going to do it fast enough. Like most of what Nori is, is focused on now is, in fact, helping them monetize it so they can effectively get to market. Projects that are not currently profitable may become marginal. Marginal products, projects may become profitable. And that's what we're trying to do with the Nori marketplace. So that sounds a lot like crypto to me or blockchain <laughs> type of stuff. So uh, we've we've talked about the the technology for carbon removal. Um, and uh, we we mentioned that distinction between carbon removal and carbon capture. Uh, talked about storing the the removed carbon in goods like shoes and carpets and rocks and things like that. Um, how does blockchain fit into this whole thing now? So why ta- are you guys using blockchain? Uh, so if if we're talking about a, a need to financially incentivize these things to happen, cryptocurrencies and blockchains are are a perfect use case for this. So the the model that we've come up with is to say that if you as a potential supplier are removing carbon dioxide in some way, in some way that we can measure and verify that that's actually happening, because again, remember, it's, you can't see CO2, so you have to be able to measure it somehow. If you can do that, then we know of people who are willing to pay for that. There are all sorts of initiatives by uh, large corporations, individuals, nonprofits, organizations, governments even, who want to pay to uh, offset their carbon emissions. Now, the way that people currently do that is they will go to some of the carbon markets that exist. Uh, The largest and most well-known is the California carbon market. 
um, which um, California has a cap and trade carbon trading scheme, um, which means that if you are an emitter in California um, of a certain variety, so if you work, if your company's in transportation or power generation or something like that, then um, you are only allowed to emit so many tons of CO2 per year. And if you emit more than that, you have to buy credits to offset those. Um, because the market for that a law exists here, people from outside of California have also used the same market to buy credits voluntarily because they want to offset their emissions because their customers are demanding it or their shareholders are demanding it. Uh, so they're not legally required to do it, but right. they still are utilizing that market. So the demand is there. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, there are a lot of inefficiencies around it and there are some like key differences from what we're doing. So one of the key differences is that the projects that can be sold in the California marketplace are, are offsets that they could, say, build a uh, what's called a dairy digester. Uh, so you, you have a dairy farm, you have cows, and they poop a lot, and that poop turns into methane, and that methane goes up into the atmosphere, and it's 25 times more potent than CO2 as far as warming effect goes. I've heard that's a surprisingly big problem. Yeah, it is. Um, and... The, the way to, the, one of the ways that you can deal with that is you can build this digester where you take the cow poop and you put it in it and you burn it. And instead of emitting methane, you emit carbon dioxide. Now, hmm. that's significantly less potent than it would have been had you emitted methane, but you're still emitting. Right. And, and, there's, and there's all these gases that a lot of people talk about carbon dioxide, but yeah, I have heard of methane as an issue. There are other potential harmful gases, I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah. So it sounds like you're trading one problem for another. Yeah. I mean, it's making it less bad and that's fine and that's good. People need to do that. But no one else is dealing on a large scale with all of the CO2 that's already up there. And so for Nori's market, we're saying that sort of project, that's not going to count for us. You have to actually remove the carbon dioxide, store it, and it, so that it can't go back into the atmosphere. Oh, very cool. So you can't kind of cheat it. You really have to remove that amount of carbon, carbon, carbon dioxide. Out exactly. Of there. Yeah. And, and for some complex reasons that I'm not, I probably won't go into detail, that like the, the carbon credits that you can buy in the California marketplace aren't necessarily tied one-to-one to like one credit is one ton of CO2 offset. Like that doesn't actually end up working out that way. Um, that would it, just be too easy. Right. It, the, these markets are complex and there are a whole lot of reasons for that. But our intention and our, um, our, our, our design is to make one credit in our marketplace be equivalent to one ton of CO2 removed. And that's the, the sort of value proposition that we're making to buyers who, who want to buy these. So if you are a, an airline and you want to offset the emissions from burning the jet fuel as you fly your planes around, then you can come to Nori and you can buy these credits. Now, the other thing is if you're an airline and you're doing that right now and you want to find carbon credits, you have to go find like an actual project. Like you have to, you have to meet the people who, oh, wow. who built the dairy digester and, and you have to uh, know enough about how to interact with the, the auditors and the verifiers and the brokers that are involved in this. They're like, we've literally mapped this out. There are literally eight different middlemen that stand in between like the, the project developer and the, the buyer in the that, end. That's insane. It is. And uh, that, that's a whole lot of effort and it's our hypothesis that 
that is uh, a big enough barrier to entry that only the uh, most ambitious sorts of buyers are going to go through that entire process. And we think that if we can make it as simple as like an e-commerce checkout flow using a cryptocurrency, that more people would do this, which would mean more CO2 getting removed, which would incentivize more people to remove CO2 and get paid to do it. Wow. So how does that work with blockchain? The blockchain then, uh, I'm assuming, facilitates this this marketplace, uh, facilitates these these tons that you can offset. You buy a certain amount of tons and that's how you offset it? Or how, how does that take yeah, place? Yeah, more or less. So when talking about this from a buyer's perspective, like it's really important for them that they know that the CO2 was removed and is stored. And so we need some sort of transparent and provable like accounting method to immutable, they might say uh, like an immutable <laughs> history of transactions. Yeah. yeah. And it, it turns out that a distributed ledger like a blockchain is the perfect way to do that. Um, so it's auditable then. Yes, exactly. The the other factor is the economics of it. And so we, you know, we go back and forth internally, whether we talk about Nori as a blockchain company or a cryptocurrency company. And in reality, I think those are two different things. And Nori is both um, because on, on the blockchain side of it, it's we're using this ledger for the accounting methods, the provable transparency of it. But the cryptocurrency side of it enables a whole new economic model that hasn't existed before. Um, so our, the design of what we're doing is that we're creating a token, the Nori token, that can one, where one token will always purchase one ton of CO2 removed. And we're calling that ton a carbon removal credit, CRC. Okay. So one token purchases one CRC. And that will always be the like price, the exchange rate of it. So it's fi- fixed at that one-to-one ratio. Yes. Okay. But the price of the token might fluctuate just like any other cryptocurrency price might fluctuate. And so what that means is if you are a, one of those direct air capture companies or if you're a farmer who's sequestering in soil, you're both getting paid this, with the same tokens for, the same, uh, for carbon removal, but you're doing different ways to do that. So that's forcing them to compete with each other on margin. So uh, what's the most cost-effective way to remove carbon dioxide? Is it direct air capture? Is it uh, between the different direct air capture companies? Do they have a, a, a better way that, that they can do that? Mm. Um, and then on the other side of it, if you are a buyer and you go to these existing carbon markets, you could be seeing carbon offsets that range in price from $2 up to $40 per ton. It just kind of depends on the project. And it's a big range from $2 to $40 to offset one ton. It, it is a huge range and it's, it's unpredictable. And the, we're talking about projects that often take 5, 10, 15 years to really develop. Um, so it, they could be committing to these prices like a long time in advance or long after the capital costs were already uh, expended. With, with those existing markets as well, if, if I wanted, if I offset uh, so many tons, five tons. Could I go back and uh, and audit and figure out who that money went to or who actually did the carbon yes. extraction mm-hmm. uh, and when they did it? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I mentioned that there's this like counterparty matching problem 
when if you're if you're a buyer, you have to find like an actual project. If you're a project, you have to actually go like do business development and sales and find a, a buyer. But in our marketplace, it's just going to be a first in, first out queue. So if you are the first uh, per, uh, people to remove carbon dioxide and get those CRCs measured and verified, then they are those are the first ones that are available for sale. If you're a buyer showing up, you're just buying whatever is at the front of the line. Um, so we're we're making it much easier to uh, to transact on the carbon dioxide. We're, ma- we're trying to simplify that whole process. And the other thing about the token is that since the price might fluctuate, but the price always buys one ton of CO2, whatever the price of the token is, is now a universal price on carbon removal. And that's never that's existed. Smart. And we need that. <laughs> And that's the number one thing that people have talked about for decades is that we need a price on carbon. So it's a market where the, I guess you'd say, supply and demand economics actually dictate the price. Yeah. And that price is a universal price uh, automatically set because it's a it's a blockchain uh, type of exchange. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Very cool. Uh I know you guys have a, uh, a distributed team as well. Ross, you're here in Los Angeles. What, what part of LA are you located in? Um, I'm over in Glendale now, but I was in like the East Hollywood, Silver Lake border, like uh, Sunset Junction. Okay, cool. Glendale. Are there uh, many blockchain companies over there or what's, <laughs> no, why man. LA? It's, why it, are you here? <laughs> <laughs> it's so quiet. Well, before uh, I got into the blockchain world, I was working in film. So I was doing a lot of writing and producing. And it was just time to move to L.A. The rule for that is you're not supposed to move to L.A. until it in- invites you if you're working in film. So I finally felt like it was time to go. And then I did. It's a good way to mitigate risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely had some friends who moved out here maybe a little too early and had to retreat back uh, back home because it can be a little hard town for people to adjust to and get enough work and all that. Um, but no, there's not a lot going on over there. And then on the West side, like coming over here, I'd almost rather go to San Diego than come to the West side. I'm like, this is a (laughs) huge trek because of the traffic or what? Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna have to go home at uh, rush hour over that way. And I, I haven't told you how long it might take yet, but um, we make it home for dinner. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) we'll we'll see. You guys might want to hang out here for dinner (laughs) and then head over. All right. Very cool. What, what companies, uh, or people, in the LA area, uh, have you guys seen or the blockchain space uh, that are inspirational to you, or you think it's really cool what they're doing? So, from from the like carbon usage uh, standpoint, um, I, I mentioned I got into this about three years ago, and one of the first companies I learned about and have been excited about ever since is called New Light Technologies, and they're they're here in LA, and what they do is. They take captured methane, I believe, and they are able to run that through a chemical process and turn that, use that as a feedstock to turn it into plastics. And so that's, that's captured methane coming from like a power plant. Um, I know that they would eventually like to be using uh, carbon dioxide captured from the atmosphere. Um, and so, it's, so that's true carbon removal. Um, but it's such a cool technology that they're able to do. And they... That is. It's better than burning it and converting it to carbon. Yeah, right? it totally is. Converting the methane into plastic. Yeah. And um, I I like to think of it that, uh, yes, like plastic isn't great. Uh, it takes a long time to degrade and break down. But I would much rather deal with a garbage problem than with a climate change problem. 
and and they're they're doing uh, uh, fantastically as far as I know. I, I believe they are supplying plastic for IKEA for a lot of their products and furniture and stuff. I think I'm, they're doing stuff with Dell oh, too. Yeah, Dell computer cases for a particular computer model. They've done like phone cases before. We're um, actually going to uh, interview them tomorrow for our podcast and uh, go tour the factory. Yeah. Very, very cool. I wonder if all the, the Dell computers and phones will literally be the color green if they're, <laughs> if they're from that process. <laughs> Just to let people know, I wouldn't put it past them. But that's that's super awesome. All these things that we're technologies and cases and stuff that we're already going to consume, now we can feel a little bit better. That's, that's actually coming from methane instead of uh, just creating more of a problem. Yeah. Very cool. And how can people find out more about Nori uh, and what you guys are doing with blockchain and with the rest of your project? Yeah. So our website is nori.com, N-O-R-I.com. And uh, we also host a podcast, as Ross has mentioned, that's called Reversing Climate Change. So you can find that on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, all the overcast, all the podcast places. Great. Yeah. And it's it's a fascinating podcast. Really interesting. This whole world of things that I didn't I didn't know about with how the processes, the marketplaces, the the legal requirements uh, and how can people get in touch with you guys individually, Paul, Ross? Uh, so my email is paul uh, at nori.com or I'm on Twitter at Paul Gamble, uh, P-A-U-L-G-A-M-B-I-L-L. Awesome. And Ross? Yeah, I'm Ross at nori.com. Uh, I'm not really on Twitter. I feel like I should be, but I'm, I'm already too late for that. And then Snapchat's <laughs> already beyond me. Whatever's next, I probably won't even know about until it's not cool. And I just like fall farther and farther behind. <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I, I'm getting more into Twitter now because um, it's, because it's useful. But yeah, it's kind of, there's, there's so many different, there's Facebook, there's Twitter, there's LinkedIn, a bunch of people have been using more recently. Yeah, I use that a lot too. So you can reach me there. I suppose. On, on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. All right. Well, thank you guys very much for coming on. Super awesome what you're working on. Really interesting project. Uh, amazing domain name, nori.com. So that's easy Thanks. to remember. Uh, definitely go uh, check out what these guys are working on and how this is all coming together. Because I think this is, this is amazing. This is this is really good karma tech uh, using blockchain to facilitate that. And thank you guys for listening. Have a great weekend. To join in the conversation and chat with me and other crypto enthusiasts, check out the crypto channel on the We Are LA Tech private Slack at wearelatech.com slash VIP. Yes, you can now get your We Are LA Tech tea. You've all been asking for it. Just go to wearelatech.com slash shop to be a part of the movement to make Los Angeles the top city in the world for tech. Yes, we are number three. Let's get it to number one. wearelatech.com slash shop represent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are not the opinions of We Are LA Tech or their participants and are subject to change. The content of the show, the videos, website, and all related works are provided for entertainment purposes only. It is not intended to be, nor does it constitute financial investment or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to investing, finances, trading, or anything else based on this content without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoins and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to buy, sell, or trade any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent financial advisor. 